Thank you for joining us today at River City Church, a church living in love. If you have a prayer need, would like to speak to a pastor, or have questions about today's message, please email us at info at rivercitysmyrna.com. For more information or to give to the ministries of River City Church, please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. God is just say thank you right now for your word. I thank you for um, just Julia and James and Josh that they led us um, to your throne. We love it that in the New Testament there's this idea that you're going to go but you're going to give us a helper. And that's what you said. You said I'm going to go but wait for me here. I'm going to send you a helper and that helper will be your guide and that helper will live inside of you. That helper will be your counselor. It will be this new way to be Christian. It will be this new way to be the house or the temple of the Holy Spirit, and it will dwell in you. And we just say thank you today that we experience that communally right now. I really believe that you're in our midst, but also in individual hearts. You are here, scripturally. We don't have to fact check it or read commentaries. It's one of the reasons you came, to create a space for us to be with you, and you fought for it, and you lost your life for it. And now we have it. So we just ask that this would be a Sunday where we... Take advantage that we can be in a space with Jesus. It's baffling. And we just thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So if you want to open your Bibles, I'm going to preach to you from, i got a lot of scripture today, um, but I'm going to start with Isaiah 56, and I'm going to go 1 through 8, and then I'm going to jump to Mark 11, and I'm going to go 15 through 18. Um, but I just wanted to kind of give you an update. Where we're at right now as a church is we're, we're preaching through what we would say are the pillars of our vision. And these are the four things on the walls. And we've gotten through living in love. And we're now on prayer and the word worship and prayer. And this has been one of my favorite. Um, two weeks ago we did a really beautiful prayer Sunday. We didn't even make it through. Because I really felt like it was time for us to share. And it, just, it was like spontaneous people talking about, I really need someone to partner with me and pray. And it just got really honest and real like the, like the community of God should be. And a lot of people said it was their favorite service they've ever had, and I didn't preach. So I, I was pretty offended, but I liked it. Um, but it was probably my favorite service, too, and I didn't preach. So amen to that. 
But today we're in prayer, and there is a lot you could talk about with prayer. I'm not going to give you a theological uh, doctrine of prayer. I'm going to assume some things, but I do want to highlight one thing with prayer. I believe that in prayer, when we pray, things happen that wouldn't have happened. You know, C.S. Lewis said, and I don't, I'm not correcting C.S. Lewis, the moron that corrects C.S. Lewis. He's C.S. Lewis. But it's not just about prayer changing us, right? That's part of it. Prayer does change us. But legitimately, we even see it biblically that in the Bible, prayer changes what God will do. We see it in two cases right off the bat. Hezekiah was going to be killed. He prayed and sought God from his heart. Don't kill me. He wasn't killed. And then Moses, on behalf of the moronic Israelites who were partying and dancing and, and having a time of it, blending God with the world, God said, I'm going to destroy all of them. I'm going to start over. I'm going to start with you. And Moses said, please don't do that. Don't do that. What will the people think of you? You kill your own people, and God changes his mind, right? We can jump into, well, what he really meant was, I'm just going to say up front, I believe that when we pray, things happen that would not happen. I just believe that. Or else, why pray? It's a little, it's a little silly, right? And so that's a basis I want you to get. But for RCC, what prayer is going to be for us, and if this is vision, I want you to know what, I, what jumps out to me. And the biggest thing that jumps out to me with prayer is that there has to be space created for you to be with Jesus. There has to be a carved out time. It, you cannot just flow through your life, pick up the word on the, way to, on the way to church. You can't. There has to be a space where you are saying, I'm shutting everything out and I'm going to just be with Jesus. There has to. This, and this is the, the hardest thing for me is I know many of you have never experienced like, the presence of Jesus in a way that when you're with him, your whole life has changed. I'll give everything for this dude. I'm totally in. And so talking about a personal space or creating space or a hiding place or a secret place or whatever you want to call it doesn't even make sense. So my, my hope is that today you would understand that if we're going to be a church that's going to do what God's called us to do, there has to be a created space where it's you and him and us and him. That's why tomorrow night we're having LMNOP. I promise I did not it just happen, listening Monday night of prayer. That's awesome, right? That's why tomorrow night I'm inviting anyone who wants to come and pray with us. We're going to pray together. We're going to pray singularly from 7 on. We're going to be in the prayer room. That's why we built a prayer room before we finished a community room. We did that because we felt like that's more important. Because RCC needs to be a place where creating space with Jesus is important. If we don't model that, it's really easy to start just doing what some pastor that has a large church in Atlanta tells us to do because we can grow quick. We don't want to grow quick. We want to do what God wants us to do. And that should kind of be the motto for our life. Don't just copy some guy that you see on TV or, or even somebody you love. What is Jesus leading you to do? There's specific things with your life, you know. As a church, there's specific things as well. Um, prayer can be kind of intimidating. I remember when I got hired as a youth, a youth pastor maybe 10 or 11 years ago. The pastor was really a great guy. But the first thing he required of me was that I do online prayer with him. And I, don't even, I didn't even know how that made sense, honestly. At 6 a.m., online prayer for one hour, we had to type. I was in Woodstock. He was at his church computer. And some of the people in this room remember this, probably. And I just remember he'd be like, he'd be like God, send your sons of thunder again to our holy nation. And I'd just be like, amen, <laughs> period. And literally, this is totally telling on myself, I would fall asleep for about 10 minutes. And if you just throw in amens... Or even like a double hallelujah and amen. 
But for, but for me, like, this experience, like, there's a lot of us that carry these really strange experiences with prayer. That's more about, like, what we're going to do. Don't, don't do that. Don't get up at 6 a.m. to do an hour online of prayer. Go sit in the place you love to be, you know. Um, so today, I just want to talk about how God created spaces. So God created spaces in the Old Testament and the New Testament for his people to be with him. There was three temples, really two temples, that God created to start. First, the temple that Solomon built, which was destroyed. And then second, the temple that Zerubbabel built, which was destroyed and then rebuilt again. And that's the temple we hear about, the temple of Herod. And so I'm going to read to you Isaiah 56. In this passage, Isaiah 56 is talking about when it will be rebuilt. So God's wanting his people. He sends a messenger. This is something I want you to know that I'm trying to do. I'm going to establish my temple again. So open up to Isaiah 56. I'm going to read 1 through 8. This is what the Lord says. Maintain justice and do what is right. For my salvation is close at hand and my righteousness will soon be revealed. Blessed is the man who does this, the man who holds it fast, who keeps the Sabbath without desecrating. Remember the Sabbath, the idea here is this, this time of rest, not working. And keeps his hand from doing any evil. Let no foreigner who has bound himself to the Lord, say, the Lord will surely exclude me from his people. I'm going to read just that part again. Let no foreigner, all of us in this room, this is speaking towards us, we would be foreigners to this. Let no foreigner say, who has bound himself to the Lord, this will, the Lord will surely exclude me from his people. And let no eunuch complain, I am only a dry tree. For this is what the Lord says to the eunuchs, who keep my Sabbaths, remember who choose to rest in him, who choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant. To them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name. Better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will not be cut off. And foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord to serve him, to love the name of the Lord and to worship him. All who keep the Sabbath without desecrating it and who hold fast to my covenant. These I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. The sovereign Lord declares, he who gathers the exiles of Israel, I will gather still others to them. Besides those already gathered. So this is even before the temple. They're talking about a time where this temple would be created, and in this temple there would be a space for people to be with God. Remember, for those of you who aren't biblical scholars, there wasn't the ability to just pray in the presence of Jesus be with you. There were certain places you had to go to experience the presence of Jesus. And even then, there were segmented spaces. So in Herod's temple, take for example, there was first the courts for the priests. And if you were a priest, you could get there. Second, the courts for the Israelites. Third, the courts for the women. And fourth, the courts for the foreigner or the Gentiles. And this is a passage I'm about to read that's speaking about the courts of the Gentiles. But I'm not going to get into the temple understanding that. But if you were in the temple and you were a Gentile and you tried to go forward to the temple of women or the temple, you could be killed on, on the spot by, by law. He could kill you for trying to get too close to the presence of Jesus, which baffles a lot of you, and it maybe paints a picture of Jesus that keeps you from him. But this is the reason why I'm reading this next passage. There's no more temple in this way. There are temples in Israel, but the temple now is a different, it's a different idea altogether. The temple now is this communal body that the presence of Jesus rests on 
communally. It's us. It's not buildings anymore. They're a great building. I love it. It's not this building. There's nothing particularly special about this building other than you're here. And then it's also what's inside of you. Baffling that in God's original design for our DNA, he created a house. And there's a house actually for the Holy Spirit to live in, inside of us. Baffling that his original creation was better than any structured creation that would be created, any temples that would be created. The perfect temple would become, and not yet, the temple that is in your heart. Crazy. It's the beautiful temple. So I want to read to you a passage from Mark where Jesus does something that's completely kind of out of his character. It's one of those passages for me I've tried to avoid historically because it, it also paints a picture of Jesus doing things that you kind of just are kind of outside of his character. He gets a little um, TO'd. I'm trying to think of the right word I can use there. I'll, I'll whisper it um, at some people. He gets extremely mad, and he flips over tables. Like, this is not kind of the character of Jesus, like walking around with children, you know, and, and praying for... He walks into the established temple, walks over to a table, and throws it down, and then picks up a bench that dudes are sitting on and throws it down. Imagine just coming here, and like the person you brought walks up to the stage and just like, and kicks it over. You'd be like, what are you doing, bro? And we're just people. Jesus walks up into a temple and starts knocking junk over. And I always wondered why the reason was, you know. And I, for, for a while, I thought it was just he doesn't like to see people abused. He doesn't like to see people abused. But there's a very particular reason I feel like he does it. And so I don't want to delay any longer. So if you'll open up to Mark 11, I'm going to read you verses 15 through 18. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple area and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of money changers and benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, is it not written? And he's pointing back to Isaiah 56. My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. But you have made it a den of robbers. And then this is what happens. Jesus shows up to a place. And the response to Jesus, who all his responses are always pure and holy. And always sanctified. And always the right response. And the response, which many of us do when he, when he steps into this temple. The chief priests and teachers of the law heard this and began looking for a way to kill him. For they feared him because the whole crowd was amazed at his teaching. When evening came, they went out to the city. So I just want to give you a little bit of backdrop on this Gentile court. Okay, So what would happen is Gentiles would come from very far away, and on their way to these temple courts, they would have to get something that could be used as a sacrifice. And so they would pay roughly what would be considered to us about $2 to buy a dove without blemish to take with them because when they got inside the temple, they would have to walk over to the altar, and they would have to present and be like, here's my dove or my whatever, and I would like it to be consumed so I can come in. You have to bring a sacrifice to go in and, and spend time in the Gentile court. And in the Gentile court, what the, the heart behind it was, Jesus or God was wanting them to have a place where they could worship and pray. And so they would come in and they'd be all happy. But what had happened is the established authority in the temple had decided to figure out ways to start charging folks more money. And so what they did is they would, doesn't matter what kind of dove you brought, they would find something wrong with everybody's dove. 
And they would have one that you could purchase from them for roughly what we would consider about $70 to $80. So the intended design was to come in, provide your sacrifice, be free in here, do what you were created to do in here. This is a space for you. And the established authority now in this room had set up tables to sell. And so, I mean, imagine walking into the place, the only place, not your prayer closet, because there wasn't that, walking into the temple and wanting to spend time with, with God. And when you get in, you start to smell like the nasty smell of cattle. And you hear all the loud noises like everybody just for one second, five seconds, make farm animal noises just really quickly. Just anybody that will do that, I will love it to just do that really quick right now. Anybody? Nobody? <laughs> it sounds more like booing. <laughs> so it's a booing farm. So they would walk in and the smell and the sounds... And then they would, here, here's a tricky part, if you didn't have the right amount of money, and they, that you would have to pay a fee. So they made it two and a half somethings. Temple tax, which was impossible to pay with foreign money. So not only did they have to pay for their dove, they had to do, and so Jesus walks in, and he it doesn't even explain his interest. He just walks in, and immediately he starts flipping things over. And I've always wondered, like, why, Jesus, would you get so, are you mad? Is he attacking people? Like, we hear the voice right now nationally of this attacking Christian culture going after those who are different to say, you're different, Jesus wants you to be like him. But Jesus is always attacking something else. Jesus goes into this temple to attack something that would keep us from him. See, this is what we need to attack in our lives. We need to attack the things that would not let us have the space that he intended for us to have with him. I'm telling you right now. If you have not carved out a space where you are with him, you can't know what he wants you to do with your life. It's impossible. It's like asking the most intelligent genius to tell you how to do something and then saying, I won't listen to you. That's what salvation is. We now have full access. We have access that people would have died for. He did die for. We have access that... If you were to go back in time and tell people, Moses, do you understand? I'm talking to Moses. Moses is a great man. I have something you don't have, bro. I can at any moment approach the throne of grace. You can't. He would be like, oh, I would have died to have lived when you lived. And in our churches, why, why are we creating space, you know? He came, and in this temple, he carved out a space, and the established authority in that space figured out ways to manipulate, figured out ways to... To get, I don't know how to say this other than I really believe what, what he wants for you guys. You know, like, it's not even about church. That this crux of all life will come from these moments you are with him. And if you are not with him, you will do what you want to do. And you are just you, you know. And some of you are beautiful and some of you are not. That's nothing offensive. Maybe you have different beautiful qualities. Some of you are super smart, some of you are super athletic, but even the best part of the best part of you is not enough to get you where you need to go. This idea that Jesus came to be with you, to speak to you, my sheep know my voice, is so that you can hold his hand through life. Cheesy poem, footprints in the sand, right? The, the, one of them disappears, you know, and it's because I'm carrying you, you know? First time you read that, you're like, that's good poetry. But now you're like, kind of hurt it a lot. But this idea now, we have what multitudes of generations would have loved to have. Created space to be with him. 
and the established authority here, their response to Jesus coming into the temple, like we look at it now and we're like, you morons. Jesus is in your temple trying to tell you how to do it right. But they have a good system set up. They have a system that churns out results. They have a system where they're making a bank load of money and the established authority is all for it. And so how does this, how does this apply to you and me today, right? Like, it's great about Herod's temple. It's great about the court of the Gentiles. It's great that God created that space for them. We don't have a temple. This is not a place you, I mean, this building is not where you come to be with the Lord, right? You can do that anywhere. So how does this relate to us? Well, I'm just going to give you two examples. The body of Christ today or the temple today, and you can pull up Matthew 18, 19 through 20, is number one, us as a community. So that's why I love the, spirit, the, the scripture I'm about to read. I believe that the spirit of God lives in us communally. So I believe that when you're in worship, and many of you have been in worship before and felt like freedom came or you felt like a lift or you felt joy. I believe those are the moments where I think the spirit of God within the midst of us kind of unites. Because when we gather, things happen that wouldn't happen. And so I want to read you a couple passages. Matthew 18, 19 through 20. I also tell you this. If two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. And then can you go to the next one? For where two or three are gathered together as my followers, I am there among them. It's this idea that when we get together, he is actually there. And then the second thing is just the simple, so there's two temples, us communally, and the second temple is you. And I just want to read this passage to you. This is 1 Corinthians, and I read this passage so much, 6, 19 through 20. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. And so, okay, so these Gentiles would travel all the way across a nation to get to there, and they would present a sacrifice. Today, we don't have to carry a sacrifice in. We bring, bring up the next passage, please? For us, what we get to do when we approach the throne of grace is there's been somebody who's actually stood in our place. And so the sacrifice, you have 619, or I'm sorry, yeah, Hebrews 416. So the sacrifice for us is not a tangible thing, right? Like, it's not even offerings. Like, we read an offering prayer. Like, it's not this required pay your money. It's nothing like that. We come before the throne of God boldly because we have received Jesus. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Go to the next one, please. You can go ahead and pull the next scripture up. So now for us, Jesus becomes this sacrifice. So we don't have to carry a dove. Nobody has to examine our dove and tell us it's wrong and give us a different one. We come with Jesus. And the way that we receive Jesus is just like you've all heard it since you've been children. Those who believe in their heart that Jesus is Lord and accept him, those will be called sons and daughters of God. So for us now, it's belief in what he did. And we enter the temple and we present Jesus to God. Jesus is our sacrifice. And this is what it says. For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all time. Under the old covenant, the, just please absorb this. This is the difference in people who live in freedom today and people who are still living under bondage the old way. The priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sins. But our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins. And not just specific sins you created, but your sin nature. Good for all time. Then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. There he waits until his en enemies are humbled and made a footstool under his feet. For by that one offering, he forever made perfect those who are being made holy, us. 
And the Holy Spirit also testified that this, so, this is so. For he says, this is the new covenant I will make with my people on that day, says the Lord. I will put my laws now in their hearts, not on their walls, and in their minds, not on paper. And I will write them on their minds. This is the idea of us becoming this temple. This is the idea that you are always able to be with Jesus. And so today, we're going to spend a little bit of time, and I'm going to explain what these are in the back in a minute. I just want to tell you your rights as, as sons and daughters of God. right? Like Your right as a son is to be with him. Your right is to slow your pace enough to sit at his feet and hear him speak to you. It's a right of yours. It's not something after you receive Jesus, I just don't believe I can listen to the Lord. I don't believe he's speaking to me. It is your right to sit at his presence and hear him speak revelation about your future, revelation about who you are now, revelation about everything. It's your right. It's what you, it's, it's yours. It's, you don't have to earn that anymore. It's yours. So what are the established authorities in this place? That is your right. Stay with me for a minute. This could be the, the moment where it gets a little too hairy. So in your established place where you have the right to be with him, in your heart, what are the established authorities in there? And this might hurt some people. It might not. What is running things in there? If Jesus were to step down and walk into this room, are there tables that he would want to turn over, not to tell you I hate you, but to say, you're being robbed of the most important thing that I gave, and that's time with me. As he walks around in your heart, is there something he runs to and he flips over and you're like, whoa, attitude guy. And he's like, no, no, you don't get it. This is why I came. Is there greed in the synagogue, you know? Is there greed? Are there shortcuts that are being made? Is there noise in this room telling you to do more, right? Is there noise looking at your version of Jesus and saying he wasn't enough? Like they looked at the sacrifices that they brought. That's not enough. You have to have ours. That's performance. That's not Jesus. If he walks into your heart, Listen, for that person who's not saved today, what, what do I mean by saved? Who hasn't accepted Jesus into their heart? What do I mean by that? Who hasn't decided to give their whole life to him and let him lead it? For that person, it's a, it's a question away. It's a desire away. And he comes in, and to the saved one, and to the person who is his, what's happening in your temple, you know? Please look at me really quick. What's happening in your temple? What's being robbed? What's sitting at the crux in the center of your heart, guiding what you do? And what, when Jesus enters, wants to kill him? What looks at Jesus' sweet voice when he walks in and says, clear all this trash out of here? It's me and you. What voice says, you know what, that's probably not Jesus, and I can do that later. What voice is trying to suffocate the voice of Jesus in your heart? Because we can kill him just like they did. And here's the awful but amazing thing about our God. He will not fight you to be in you. He wants to be welcomed. And here's another baffling thing. In a house he created, he has to be invited in. And what happens when the person who is the owner of the house isn't there, you know. 
What happens to that house? When I was like five, we used to travel through the woods in a place we lived in Country Plantation, and there was a house. I don't even know if you knew this, but there's a house in the woods we used to go to and just break stuff. It was just, when you're a kid and you find an old house or something in the woods, that's what you do. You don't go in to make it nice. You go in to break stuff because nobody's home. So we got, we got rocks. There was weeds. It was probably super dangerous. If, if Noah were to do that, I would not spank him, but I would verbally spank him, and he would be in trouble. But we would show up at this house, and we would just do whatever we wanted, right? Like, we would, like, take food and eat it there. Crazy stuff for kids, right? And, like, we'd find nails and, like, nail them into a piece of wood, and we'd be like, because the person who originally lived there is not there anymore. And when the person who is not there anymore, all that can happen is decay and deterioration and weeds and nastiness. And, and this is where I feel like it might sting a little bit. But if Jesus isn't invited to be in the house he created, it's the same thing that happens to us spiritually. And honestly, other stuff just sounds better. Like if Jesus isn't there running the show, providing peace, providing guidance, guiding us through things, giving us knowledge about things that we could no, by no other means have without him, then weeds will grow We'll start doing dumb stuff. I'm just telling you, we just do dumb stuff. Without him, we're going to do the best thing for us, and it's going to squash other people. So just imagine this picture of this room that he created, this place that's rightfully his but rightfully yours to be with him that he has to be invited in. And he walks in, and he says, what's in the midst? And he's not angry at you. Listen, he's not, he's not this Jesus. He's the Jesus like, oh, my goodness. If you only understood what I'm trying to do in this space, you would give every bit of it. It would be everything. You would want it every day. I would speak about who you are. I would show you how beautiful forgiveness is. I would show you how to live as forgiven. I wouldn't make it about rules anymore. I would make it light. Have you ever had a, a moment with Jesus where everything changed? Have you ever had a space created where you sat down in that space and you were like, that's why people talk about a secret place. Have you ever had that? This past Monday, I felt like I was supposed to have a date with the Lord. It's stupid, weird, but I had this like sense all weekend, the weekend before, God wanted to meet with me. Um, and I, I, I knew it. Like I started telling people, I'm having a meeting with God. I started sounding like silly. Like I came here and I sat in that room and I did, while I did feel the presence of Jesus, I felt like the best way I can explain Jesus, totally not theological, the physical presence of peace. You know, just the physical presence of the fruits of the Spirit, I think, is a good picture of Jesus. I'm in that room. I write out five things that I'm like, kind of in turmoil with, and I put them on the floor. And I'm just walking around. I'm like, Jesus, touch that situation, touch that situation. I did it for an hour. Um, it was easy. Um, there was no revelatory moment. I wasn't like the throne room like it opened up and like angels were all around. And there was a throne in the middle. And I was like, nothing like that happened. But the coolest thing happened that day. Like, I left that meeting. And I, I felt like the day had been organized. Like, it, it was really strange. Like, two God opportunities that hadn't happened in a while were like, bam and bam. I mean, I'm, I'm at a place where I hear a lady talking about community, and I feel like the Lord's like, go talk to her. Not that I wouldn't do that previously, but there was something in me that day that was like, I'm doing it right now. I'm going over here. I'm going to talk to you about community. Well, you, saying, you said the word community. Why did you say that? <laughs> and she, she was like, well, and she started explaining. She started crying. She started weeping. She said, this must be the Holy Spirit. There's no way that you would have stopped. And this other guy from a church, much bigger than ours and much, um, I don't know, walks away. And, and I get to spend this time with this woman. And I just feel like when you, like when you carve the space and say, this is going to be yours, Lord. 
This is going to be yours. I feel like that happens. I feel like you're kind of in tune with him in the day. And things that you normally kind of wouldn't do because you're just a little busy. Like on a normal day when I'm getting my Monday stuff done, just that long space I spent here, I wouldn't have stopped for that lady. She's talking about community. Maybe one day, God, bring her to our church. Maybe. That day, he had, and my wife talks to me about how, and I'm sorry if I'm jumping, but she, she has this guy she really loves to listen to called Greg Boyd. And he talks about how all of us have something called a say-so. And a say-so was instituted when God said to Adam and Eve, go name, go name the animals. And they're like, dog, tr- uh, bird. So they get a say-so, right? And then sin enters. So they have a say-so. And, and that our say-so is actually pretty powerful. Like when we put our mind behind something and want to do something, we can actually do some pretty cool stuff, right? And then there's also the say-so of God, which is like what we want. The say-so of God is like, always, I believe it's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, always to say so. What do we want to see on earth? Kingdom of heaven, you know, and I, I believe when we enter in prayer, I believe that's what we enter into. I've said that before. I believe we enter into the conversation happening with the Trinity, and we enter listening for that reason. But, but this author talks about how um, in science, maybe, Chris, help me with this if I mess this up, there are rays of light, right? And each ray of light does one thing, but scientists have found out ways to combine them And when they combine them, it creates something called a laser beam. Everybody say laser beam. Um, And when the laser beam comes together, it has the power to actually cut through physical material. Boom. And that when our say-so, right, one light spectrum, and God's say-so, another light spectrum, come together, answered prayer is like that. So get that in your brain that when you pray about something and partner with God, it's like, and you can cut people in half. Which is important. You don't want to cut people in half. But we can pray for Jason Jones, right? We can pray for Jason Jones, who this past week got a great report about his tumor. A stinking men. Like, we, we, we've seen for a year this precision, like, this precision, like, coming together to see prayers answered. Literally left and right, God has been answering so much so that I looked the other day and I was like, He's literally answered every prayer I've prayed as a pastor that we would do. And then I felt like, oh, crap. we we got to start praying the right stuff. What if we pray something (laughs) stupid? I believe that when it's his will already and we partner with him and those two things combine, he's going to do it. I just believe that. And if he doesn't do it, he's doing it in a better way. It doesn't make sense. It makes sense to me. That's what I believe God does. And so here's here's what I kind of feel like for us. Um, And I have more. I will say that when we create this space, the say-so happens. The outsider has a place. Isaiah 56 was preaching about the future. These people would find a place if his house is that house of prayer. And the gospel goes forward. John 15, 4, the vine. You know, when you stay connected, the gospel goes forward. But if not, we find ways to kill Jesus. I know that's brutal language, but we find ways to kill Jesus when we don't want to give our space. And the destruction of the temple, that's what happened to this temple. The temple that you just heard me write about, it was destroyed was destroyed because things had come in and in 70 AD temple destroyed and only thing after that were synagogues and then us and then now we're here and so what I wanted to do to end today was give you just an opportunity like you need an opportunity communally to hear the voice of God and to be in his presence and for you there's a lot of like people here today that haven't been here before Um, I'll, I'll sit down and talk with you scripturally about how this is real But we need to, Sundays or prayer gatherings or Wednesdays or tea, lunch or all of it are places for the church that are created spaces to be with your Savior. 
This is why I don't think it can just always be like fantasy football life group, you know, like, and I'm going to do one of those. But these are places crafted out to get together what we can by no other means get from our creator. And so we're going to do that. You know, we're going to have that, that for you today. So the questions for you today before, and prayer teams can go ahead. Prayer teams today are going to be over on that rug and over on that rug. But the questions for you today are, just this is a really honest question. Have you ever experienced intimacy with Jesus on a personal level where you knew, I've just entered the realm of freedom? I've just approached the throne of grace boldly, and I'm receiving buckets of grace. Buckets are raining on me. People are throwing buckets of grace. Have you ever been in that kind of place with Jesus? It's so important. It's so important. It can't just be about reading your Bible every day, although the word, amen, you know, that's where our sustenance comes from. You've got to find space. And then secondly, I don't know what will even happen here for some of you, but in prayer, I'm going to ask that you ask Jesus into your temple and kind of watch what he does. I know theologically some of you are like, I'm out. Invite him in and, and, and notice where he goes. and what. You know, if you invite him in, Jesus, come into this place you crafted. You know What's in there? What does he walk to? What is he, what is he saying? I'm going to flip that in a minute. Or, or is he in there saying, you've created a space where I can speak life into you. That's what you want. You know, That's what you want. And so you can pray about one of those two things. And then under your seat or on your seat, there are pieces of blue paper. And I desperately want you guys to do this. If you'll turn around over here real quick. This over here is, uh, we're calling it asking prayer. We wanted to provide some stimulus for you guys to remember to pray for others and to create space to pray for your church. And so on the left side of that, there's asking prayer. That's anything anybody in this room needs people to pray with them for. We want to pray with it. We want to, we want to see God do that. That's the left side of that. And the next one is, let's pray the right prayers for River City, right? Let's pray. My prayer for River City is that we would have multitudes of baptisms because that means we're around people who don't know Jesus and that receive Jesus. Like our goal is that we would see people come to know our Father. Write a prayer for our church, right? It can even be a little harsh, loving prayer right there. Okay, over here is listening prayer and answered prayer. If there's something you hear God speaking to us, you know, like that's the left side of here. And the next one is like what happened with Jason. This answered prayer. God, you have seen the Joneses through this thing so amazingly. Write it there. Four options. Um, and they're going to be up here. So I'm going to ask you guys just to stand with me for a moment. Just in a time of response. We're getting done earlier today than we were last week. That we could end today as a community even if it's just, you're not even a part of this church, but this is the community of God. That we can end today creating a space. Lunch will be so good in a little bit. But right now, that you would create this space and you would say, Lord, I, I know that carving out these spaces for you is, it's got to be first, right? It's got to be the most important thing. Because I want to know what you want. Even in that space, you can ask. But I just pray right now that everybody in this room spends just a few moments being with your creator, being with the one who even gave you DNA, being with the one that you look similar to, and that at reception of Jesus, his blood flows in you, being with your actual father. 
giving you a name even greater than sons and daughters, a name that will never be forgotten all throughout history, giving you joy in that place of prayer, as it says in Isaiah 56. Joy in the place of prayer. Joy in the place of prayer. There's a person or two or three people in this room that are just walking in the extreme opposite of joy. God wants to give you joy. He wants you to know that he is joy and that you don't, he's not trying to show you how to have your own joy. He's trying to give you his joy, real joy. It'll be a gift, but you have to ask and want it and he'll give it to you. I just thank you, Jesus. And for the next few moments in this created space, please fill out one of these. Pick one, either listening, answered prayer, a prayer for yourself or a prayer for our church. Just one, write on it what it is and then put it on the board. And Jesus, we just want to give you this time to speak to your body because we want to do what you want us to do, not what a book says or not what a really polished pastor says. We just want to be a people that do what the Lord wants them to do and walk in his love and accept the outsider. And today, start that with somebody right here. In Jesus' name, just spend a few moments with him. Keep the space created in here for you guys. Uh, you're going to be free to go in a second. Justin, I'm going to ask you to come up and share something. Just share with me. <laughs> Did it to you, buddy. Um, but if you want to create a space intentionally, tomorrow night be here at 7. We're just going to pray together. No frills, just prayer. Um, and if you need personal prayer, I just feel like two things. There's somebody in here who, who needs the joy of the Lord. Pray with our, our prayer teams. Or if just you, you don't know the Lord and, and you want somebody to walk you through how to know him. That's just a beautiful thing, you know. It's a beautiful, it's, it's, a, it's the game changer in life. It's everything. We would love to pray with you as well. Father, I thank you for a body that desires to live just genuine Jesus, loving people. We want to cling to you, God. We want to be like that foreigner that clings to the Lord and that honors these times of rest. Touch our whole community this week as we go. And give us these moments where we can share the gospel with a random person talking about community. And open up our schedules for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Justin wants to share real quickly before you leave. <laughs> Man, just do it. Uh, so in, the, in Matthew, where it talks about the same story where Jesus clear, uh, cleared the temple. Immediately afterwards, it says the blind and the lame were brought to him and he was healed. And then also at the same time that the children spontaneously started praising and worshiping him. So in response to him clearing the temple, there was healing and there was worship. So there are maybe people here that need healing or there's a stirring that Jesus is clearing the temple. He may want to heal as well or he may want wants to release worship, uh, not just here, but on a, on a daily, on a daily basis, but just that heart of worship. So be encouraged. Amen. Um, if you're going to be a part of the prayer team, prayer meeting at the end, do you have something, Jen? Family lunch. Um, 
If you want to take somebody to lunch today, we're all going to kind of eat around here at these five or six restaurants. Uh, spot somebody for lunch or ask somebody to spot you. Maybe. <laughs> Just go with someone. See what happens. Love you guys so much. God bless you. Thank you again for joining us today. And please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.